another episode of the I'm Moving to Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich, and I would like to welcome you back to Season 4, Episode 6. My friends, I would like to share a topic that has been on my mind a lot for the last almost two years, and probably without even realizing it long before that. In its simplicity, I think it will be a profound topic for you as you consider moving abroad, whether it's to Italy or anywhere else. Before I get into the topic, I want to share that if you are planning a move or you are planning to do something major with your life, know that it's not going to be easy, but also know that you aren't guaranteed any time in the future. None of us are. We aren't guaranteed because we don't know what our personal journey is going to be like, but we also don't know what the global journey of the human race is. I have no regrets about the decision that I made to move to Italy, become an Italian citizen, and sort of establish some roots in a new culture and a new country. But the question I've been asking myself and what I want to share with you and and some thoughts that I have on this topic is the question of, will I ever be a real Italian? I think I naively assumed, I don't even know why I thought this, but I naively assumed that I would become some version of an Italian by living in Italy. Like Italy would sort of wear off on me I would become more like Italy than than Italy, of course, would be like me, because Italy's not going to become more like me. I would have to adapt and become more like Italy, and I would become more like Italians, and I would slowly but surely just sort of blend right into the culture. And while that probably has already happened a bit, and why it may continue to happen a bit moving forward, there are some things that I'm coming to realize, and it's a good thing that I'm coming to realize them now, And it's a good thing I'm dealing with them now, because I think that if I continued to have this idea that I was eventually going to become sort of an Italian, the way people that moved to the United States become American, if I didn't have this sort of reality check now and wake up to what I believe to be, at least for myself, again, this is just my personal take on topic, my personal experiences, if I didn't sort of figure this out, within the first couple of years of being here in Italy, I think maybe I would be maybe a little bit disillusioned as time went on because I would begin to realize, oh, wow, maybe maybe that's not the case. So I think that's a good thing that I'm becoming, I'm coming to a place where I'm beginning to really question and actually sort of doubt the fact that I will ever be a real Italian. But I also want to tell you why I think maybe that's a good thing, why I'm realizing that I should embrace that. I've had conversations with my Italian friends, and I recently had this same conversation with Vera, was this idea of, will I ever be a real Italian? It's something that's probably crossed your mind as well. Will you ever become a real Italian? You've probably asked yourself. Maybe you've not actually formed that into a conscious thought, but you, without realizing it, you've made the assumption, like I did, in the back of your mind, that, oh yeah, well, I guess I just, you know, kind of take for granted that someday, if I'm living in Italy, if I move to Italy, I'm going to become an Italian, and I'll be skipping through the cobblestone streets and going to the markets on market day and filling my basket with vegetables and fruit and cheese and produce from the market, and I'll have Italian friends that call my name out and 
And while that all might come true, you will still not be a real Italian any more than I will be a real Italian. And here's what I want to say. And I'm going to explain why, but I want to say that's actually a good thing. Part of the reason why I think it's so beguiling and so attractive, the idea of moving to Italy or to any foreign country, whether it's France or Portugal or Ireland, anywhere, is because it's different. And what's drawing us to that country is either a lack of something that we didn't enjoy about our native culture or the addition of many things that we do like. Sometimes it's both. For me, it was both. I want to backtrack a little bit and tell you a little bit about my history growing up. So I grew up in a farming family. My dad's side of the family has been in the United States for longer than my mom's. My mom's family came from Scandinavia and my dad's family came many hundreds of years before and they were from Switzerland. So all that to say that we've been in the United States for many generations and consider ourselves Americans. And not just Americans, but Americans that are farmers that really live off the land that for generations have been farming and it's become part of our blood and part of our culture. So I grew up on this farm in California and we lived out in the country We didn't live in the city limits. We lived outside, surrounded by vineyards, alfalfa fields, tons of walnuts and almonds, and and wine grapes. And so that's what I grew up with. In all of that agriculture, there were a lot of dairy farms where there were dairy cows for producing milk. And so we had multiple neighbors who were from Holland And they, for whatever reason, people from Holland, they had dairies. And it was usually the parents that were born in Holland who moved to the United States. They started a dairy. The parents had strong Dutch accents. And the kids spoke just like me and my brothers and sisters, just with a regular American accent. Spoke English and... You know, that that was their new life. There was also a lot of people from Portugal that had dairies as well. Some other Dutch families, in in fact, some of the ones I worked for when I was very young, some of my first jobs when I was just going to college or in high school were working for some Dutch families who had nurseries. So people from Holland seemed to do either two professions in in our area. They either had nurseries and they had the best nurseries of all. And I mean, when I say nurseries, of course, I'm talking about plants. And so they were growing plants, ornamental plants to sell to garden centers and, and retail nurseries. Or they were dairy farmers. But we also had a very large community of Mexican families who lived in the area as well. And growing up, we would oftentimes, if my mom needed to go out, we would oftentimes go and stay at the houses or we would go visit our neighbors who were Mexican families and we would stay with them and my mom would hire them as babysitters, some of their daughters or their sisters as babysitters. And so we just became really, really close to our Mexican neighbors, as well as our Dutch neighbors, as well as our Portuguese neighbors. And we even had a neighbor who was from Greece, and we just called him the Greek. And he would bring us wonderful cheeses that he would make 
from his goat's milk and he would bring us these amazing this just boxes of produce that was one of the wonderful things about growing up on a farm is you would just bring big boxes of produce to each other but we also had italian neighbors and italian neighbors were some of the biggest growers of vegetables in california and the united states so we were friends with all of these different families from all of these different places in the world some of them had been there and didn't have accents of their native language and some of them did going to our friends who had a dairy and they were from holland and right outside the door of their house the back door of their house there was a row of wooden shoes that they would wear to go out to check on the cows and they were like their outdoor slippers if they wanted to throw on some shoes but they didn't want to put on rubber boots they just wanted you know to quickly throw on some shoes to go for a walk out to check on the cows or 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 whatever they needed to do outside but they didn't want to put on heavy boots or lace-up shoes or whatever and we loved the fact that they had authentic wooden shoes from holland right outside their back door that they actually used we, we just couldn't believe it we would try them on and we would just clop around and we thought this is the most incredible thing ever or we would go to our friends down the street to the mexican family down the street that had a huge family just like ours i grew up in a family with with eight siblings the family down the street there were seven of them and they were not wealthy but they were the most kind welcoming people in the world and they would dress up and put on these amazing cowboy boots from mexico and cowboy hats and they just looked so so lovely when they would get dressed up at their parties that they would invite us to and we would have piñatas and homemade tortillas and the best food I've ever had in my entire life, which is why I can't tolerate bad Mexican food because I grew up with good homemade Mexican food. And we would go and just spend time running around with the kids and playing and we were welcomed, our family was welcomed. We loved their culture. We didn't want them to change. We didn't wish that they were more American or, and speak better English. The same way we felt about our Greek neighbor and any of our other neighbors who still held on to some of the cultural traditions from their past. We even had some of the most wonderful Japanese neighbors as well. And they grew the fantastic fields of strawberries. I didn't realize how rich it was, the cultural influence that I had growing up and, and how much it was affecting me and how much I'm so grateful that my family were the were the kind of people who really really embraced and and appreciated all of those differences all of those uniquenesses i'm so glad i was exposed to people that, that were different than us never once did we want our neighbors who came from different cultures to be just like us we wanted them to be themselves we wanted them to be different and they appreciated the way we were different and the things about us that were very californian very american what I'm trying to say is this. If you move to Italy or anywhere, you're going to have neighbors from that country and you're going to have an experience with them. And what they're going to love about you are going to be 
the similar things that you love about them, and that is going to be your uniquenesses. As long as you are a good neighbor and a good friend, and you're generous and you're kind and you're considerate and you're respectful, that's all that matters. When you come back from visiting your family in the United States and you bring something that is something that your family produces or something that your family loves or a favorite treats or a favorite something, whatever it is, some food, something, or you make a family recipe and you share that with them, or just some of your habits or traditions as a foreigner. So I guess what I'm trying to say in my very long, rambling, roundabout way is you're never going to be a real Italian. I'm never going to be a real Italian. And that's okay. And we should never even expect ourselves to be, pretend to be, or even really want to be. It's okay to want to become part of a community. I'm not suggesting that at all. I, I'd crave becoming part of a community in Italy. And in some ways I have. I haven't, I don't feel as though I've become connected to my true, ultimate, the, the spot. I'm going to talk about this in a minute too. Finding that ultimate place and putting down those long-term forever roots somewhere. Haven't done that yet. I think I'm getting closer. I'm narrowing in on where it's going to be. It's not where I thought it was going to be, I don't think. I'm going to share that with you in a little bit too. A, a little bit today's episode, but a lot more in a future episode. But what I'm saying is I have taken the pressure off of myself to speak perfect Italian with no accent, which is what I thought I was going to do in the beginning. Oh, I'm going to speak such perfect Italian. People will, they'll never know I'm not from Italy. Well, first of all, that's very unlikely. People automatically look at me and assume that I'm from Northern Europe, which is where my family all comes from. So it's perfectly normal that they would assume that I'm from Holland or Switzerland or Germany or Scandinavia, like they, like they oftentimes assume that I am. The rest of the time, they assume that I'm American, very correctly, and they're never going to mistake me for an Italian. Even a Northern Italian, the ones that have, you know, blue eyes and light-colored hair, because there are some blue-eyed, blonde-haired Italians, not, not so many, but there are some. They're never going to confuse me for those Italians that, that happen to have those fairer features. They're just not. And so at first I kind of was a little disappointed, like I'm not going to really be able to assimilate like in the way that I thought I was going to be and, and embraced as a real Italian. No, and I shouldn't want to. And here's why. Because to be admired for exactly who you are in the same way that me and my family admired our neighbors growing up who were from Holland or Japan or Mexico or Greece or Portugal. Italians do the same thing with me, and it's so beautiful. Well, anyway, thank you for letting me share that with you, and I hope that it was interesting to you. I hope you found it to be of value. Well, that brings us to our new segment, La Vera Italia with our wonderful friend Vera Sarsano and 
we have another excellent segment that we recorded this past weekend. So here is La Vera Italia with Vera. Enjoy. Hello, Vera. Welcome back to another segment of La Vera Italia. Ciao, Nathan, and ciao a tutti. Grazie, because you have me here every week. <laughs> Do you want to start up? Yeah. <laughs> why, why we don't know what you're saying today? We're putting now. We're putting too much pressure on ourselves. <laughs> okay. Now that we got the now that we got ourselves laughing, now we're now we're gonna be warmed up. Yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> there we go. We can do. It. Yes, we can. Hello, Vera. Welcome back to another segment of La Vera Italia. Ciao, Nathan. And ciao a tutti. I'm so glad to be here. It's great being back here with you. I love sitting down on the weekends and recording our segment together. And as usual, everybody is loving your new segment. So you are bringing something wonderful to the podcast, and we are thrilled to be sharing it with you. Oh, thank you. And I'm pretty sure the part they love the most is when I ask you a question in Italian, right? Oh, right. They they might like that the best. That's not always my favorite part because I'm in the hot seat, but let's see what you've got for me today. Okay, are you ready? Qual è la pianta d'appartamento più facile da coltivare per chi, come me, non ha il pollice verde? <laughs> I think I have this without even thinking about it. Really? Yeah, I think you just asked me, what is the best kind of plant to have indoors for someone like me who doesn't have a green thumb? Wow, I'm impressed. What happened to you in the past week? <laughs> well, maybe maybe all of our Italian coaching has really helped. Am I right? Is that what you yes, asked? Yes, totally right. So, quale, which is la pianta da appartamento, indoor plant or whatever you call them, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. più facile, so facile is easy, so the easiest one, da coltivare, coltivare, you have the verb like to grow here, for those, per chi, come me, like me, doesn't have a green thumb, non ha il pollice, pollice is your thumb, verde, green. Now, just because I understood the question doesn't mean I'm going to be able to answer. And just because I happen to be a horticulturist doesn't mean I'm going to know how to answer this question in Italian. But let me see what I You're can do. You're my only hope because I really <laughs> wanted to ask you that. See, this kind of plant, I don't even remember see, the name. I yeah. see, yes. Uh -huh. The only one I haven't killed yet. So please well, help me. That's, that plant that you have in the background there, it's hard for me to see what it is. Can you grab it and bring it to the... Yeah, sure. Is that, is that too much to ask? No, no, it's not. Because <laughs> I don't know what, what that is. So that plant that you have, yeah. that is called a devil's ivy. Oh. I'm not sure why it's called devil's ivy. <laughs> I'm not sure why it's called devil's ivy, but that is officially the easiest house plant in the world to grow. Yeah, I figured that out. <laughs> okay, Vera. So... Here's what, here's my answer in Italian. <laughs> Le piante più facili da coltivare per chi non ha, non ha il pollice verde. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Le Piant. I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat that again because <laughs> I don't think I quite said it clearly. Let me try to see if I, if I can say it a little bit better. Le piante più facili da coltivare per chi non ha il pollice verde ci sono in inglese uh, peace lily peace lily uh, i'm going to write those down so okay peace lily perché non bisogno tanti sole mhm perché non hanno bisogno di tanto sole they don't need a lot of a sun, light. A lot of light, uh-huh, exactly. The plant that you have behind you that you just showed me, devil's ivy, anyone to have in their home that's very easy plant to grow. Another very easy plant would be an orchid. Believe it or not, orchids, people have this idea that orchids are very difficult to grow, but they are not. Just have to one, one time per week put a couple of cubes of ice and it waters them very slowly, and then you can mist them, keep them in a bright window, and you won't have any problems with them. And uh, the final one I'm going to recommend is called Mother-in-Law's Tongue. <laughs> <laughs> La lingua della suocera, Mother-in-Law's <laughs> Tongue, okay. And they're, they're very, uh, you've seen them, they're, they're those plants that are very tall and spiky. They have those leaves that go straight up like this. They almost kind of look like a type of cactus and they're very long. I think they're called a mother-in-law's tongue because the leaves are so long and mother-in-laws are famous for, you know, giving their opinions yeah. on things. So <laughs> anyway, so that there's my, there's my long answer to your, you can't ask a horticulturist a short question about uh, plants because he's probably going to give you a long answer. So by the way, I think everybody actually has the ability to have a green thumb. The only thing you have to remember when it comes to house plants or any plants is everything usually comes down to first watering. So you're getting your watering wrong. You're watering too much or watering too little. You have the wrong light for your plant. It's either in too bright of light or too dark of a spot. And third, what kind of what's going on with your soil of your plant? Do you have the right kind of soil? Is your soil drying out too fast, or is the soil staying too wet? Or that those are your three things to consider when it comes to plants. Wow, that's a lot to consider. Doesn't sound easy to me. But probably you just went sounded the same way I sound when I say, "Oh, you only have to be careful about masculine and feminine, singular and plural." So you know <laughs> you're good at it and. To you, it all comes natural and easy. But thank you. Grazie mille. I'll buy all five of them and tell you. Yes, I'm excited to hear, especially how, how you do with that mother-in-law's tongue. <laughs> Thanks for that great question in Italian, Vera. And I'm looking forward to what we're going to be discussing in today's episode. What is the topic that we are going to be talking about today, Vera? Well, you know, I don't know if I have a title for that or a way to uh, summarize it all and I'll see how it goes but I want to tell you something that happened to me when I was in the States a long time ago it was back in high school my junior year of high school and I was an exchange student there in Washington State and I had what we now call culture shock but I didn't realize it was a culture shock because it was 
a young and clueless me, but still. So I was there with this amazing host family. And I think it was, I don't know, Saturday or something. And they were like, oh, we are going out to see some cars, buy a car. Would you like to join and see how that works in the U.S.? And I was like, sure, but not today, really, because I have things to do. I'll come with you next time. And they laughed. They were like, oh, you're so funny. And I was like, no, I mean, next week. Yeah, right. And they left. I, you know, didn't think much of that until a few days later when we talked again about it because they came back uh, from the car dealership a few hours later in their brand new car. And I was like, is that, is just go out and bought a car like you would do with bread or eggs? I'm like, sure, why not? And I mean, I was only 16. And of course, in Italy, we can't drive until we are 18. So a car was something still very far away for me. But still, I had seen my parents or family members, you know, talking about buying cars and things like that. And it's usually a process. That's what that is. Not only for cars, of course, but I knew it was a process. And I was like, how is that possible? And they were like, yeah, the car was there, paid it. And brought it home and they couldn't understand why i was so amazed and then of course once again i was 16 so i was like oh yeah okay that's different but they still remember that to these days my host family sometimes i remember how much we laugh when you said oh yeah next week like we're going to buy cars every week they thought i made a joke <clears throat> and i thought they were you know kidding when they said no that was our first day car shopping we found the car we liked and we brought it home so that's the kind of things that really impressed me and i'm really so grateful that i got the chance to be in the u.s for six months back then but even today i uh, for my work i talk with foreigners from all over the world every single day and it's the small things like this that just I find amazing because we have no idea that something like buying a car could be a culture shock, right? Mm -hmm. We were like, okay, buying a car should be pretty much the same process everywhere. So it's not the big things, it's the tiny things. And now that I'm a little bit older than 16, I had a few cars myself and so on. Well, I realized that it's totally different here. And for us, it's totally normal. And it's not something we complain about. You know, we always complain about how things are slow in Italy or don't work. But in this case, for us, it's just normal. So when you go and buy a car, you can choose a used car, of course, secondhand car. We have, we call them auto a kilometro zero, so zero kilometers. It means that maybe some company bought those, used them for a month or two, and then just sending almost new, but not very new. And then you have brand new cars. Mm -hmm. And brand new cars can be ready to buy. So they're already there in car dealership, or you can order them. So a lot of different steps. Let's say that 
if you go there and it's a used car that already already has a plate number and everything else ready, you sign, you give the money, you have it in three to four days. And that's the best we can do. It's like the quickest. And I was just double checking with a friend of mine who just bought a used car a few months ago. And she was like, literally, she said, non ci è voluto niente, tre giorni. I had to, I didn't have to wait nothing, niente, that's how we say. Okay, no time, just three days. <laughs> yeah, and by your laugh, I can tell that three days is not no time for you, right? <laughs> right. So that's, so it, the way you just described your culture shock of coming to the United States and experiencing buying a vehicle the same day, you're kind of, you're kind of sharing the story to prepare people who are going to be moving to Italy and buying a car here or buying anything, or really not just buying cars or buying houses, but a lot of things I'm assuming mm -hmm. you're going to talk about that are different as far as what we should expect as a foreigner in Italy. Yeah, exactly. Because it's really, really different. And for everything. Now I'm talking about cars because that's what happened to me. But that also works for houses. And there's, well, of course, even longer, not three days. Uh, for basically anything you have to order, maybe, or it's not right there in the shop. Or for anything you need to do, like you need to have your passport renewed. Yeah, it could even take a month. And yeah, I almost missed a flight because of that a few years ago. And I was like, oh, come on. I have to go on holiday. Please, 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 please. And then it worked. But yeah, it's usually a few weeks or things like that. And the problem is that it's something cultural. So when I said we are not complaining about three days for a secondhand car that was already there, it's it's not just to tell you that we are fine with that. Is that the problem will be communication because you go to an office to have your passport or your visa renewed and they will be like, oh yeah, it will be very quick. And you will be like, okay, so I'll grab a coffee in the cafe next door and be right back. And for them, real quick would be three weeks, maybe. I don't know about visas in particular, but you know what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. I asked uh, my parents, they bought a car two years ago. And once again, my father said, oh, only 15 days because it was already there. They only needed to have the paperwork signed. Your Did your father buy a brand new car or was, it, was that also a used car, zero miles car? It was a zero miles car, kilometro zero. It was already there. So it was like, yes, this one is fine. I want this one. No changes, nothing. The, they already had a plate number and everything. They just needed the paperwork done. Now I'm going to ask a, what a very tip. I'm going to ask a very typical American question. Like a typical American's brain is going to think immediately why, but <laughs> why? <laughs> so because I think we're used to things happening so much faster. And I didn't realize that things happened fast in the United States. I, Americans don't realize how fast things happen when they've never lived outside the United States. 
because we have nothing to compare it to. So you don't really know that things are happening fast until you go someplace where things are not happening fast. Exactly. And I had no idea three days up to a few weeks for a car was a long time to wait. It was just, you know, I didn't think that was slow. So that's sort of what I want you to understand. Just, you know, double check. When we say, oh, it's going to be quick, just ask how quick, because you might be surprised by the answer and get uh, 20 days or things like that. Now, and what is it? I have a quick question about this, yeah. Vera. So, so what would you say? What is the reason? Since since we since we're asking the question why, why do you think your father had to wait two weeks to get his car that's sitting there on the lot? It has zero miles. They obviously want to sell it to him. He wants to buy it. He's got the money. He goes. He pays. What is it that's taking two weeks? I wish I knew. I don't know why. Uh, we just assume that's the only way things could be done. I mean, I'm Italian. You wanted a hundred percent Italian here with you. So I know exactly what happened there, but I don't know why. Because if I stop and really think about that. So for cars, for example, uh, well, they, uh, especially zero miles or secondhand cars, in that moment, they belong to uh, the um, car dealership, right? So they need to change the documents from them to my father or whoever buys the car, right? And you would think, okay, right there, they have contracts ready, sign them, and the property goes there. No, there's a special office in Italy uh, called uh, Motorizzazione and a special register where all the cars and their owner are um, registered. And it's not in every town. You need to go to the biggest town close to you and do that by hand and things like that and sign and be there. That's why it takes time. Mm -hmm. And they only that only goes um, on appointment. So maybe they're busy. You have to reschedule it. And that's, I think that's it. But I don't know why we cannot do these things online, for example, or why we can't make things quicker and faster when it's possible. Then we have stupid laws that are very, very old, but we keep them. That's something we could and should improve. Uh, like I remember my first car i think yeah or second it was like uh my father once again ciao papa i'm talking a lot about him today anyway my father who just gave me his old car but we wanted to change all the documents and the registrations of course and we had to go there in person and we said i'm not buying it from him i'm his daughter he's giving it to me for free and it's old and, and he said yeah <laughs> but it's not possible to give something for free a car for free so it I had to pretend right there in front of them to give them one euro. They saw me giving one euro to my dad, and then they could sign the paper. Oh, my <laughs> God. So I totally forgot about this because, you see, we laugh it out and just, just, yeah, whatever, another weird Italian thing. I don't even remember why I had to do that. And then he was like, oh, yeah, now, daddy, just buy a coffee for your daughter because she just gave you a euro or something. Yeah, we are weird. So we have something that we can change. But then I think there is also the bright side, you know, when we were talking about La Dolce Vita, how we seem more relaxed and things like that. There's nothing really urgent 
in Italy. I mean, you want a car? Yeah, sure. Wait a week, two weeks. Well, what's the hurry? I mean, do you really need to be, you know, in real need of a car to get here and buy one? Couldn't you just think about it earlier and take your time and, you know? So probably things could go a little bit faster, not real fast because of bureaucracy and all the crazy things we have to do, but at least a little bit faster. But they don't because it's like, yeah, come on, chill. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Why are you in such a hurry? And sometimes I feel bad too, because, you know, we have a lot of online shopping, even here in Italy, especially after the pan- during and after the pandemic, we are ordering a lot. Like I have like my Amazon Prime subscription and they're like in big cities, you can get your package delivered in the same day, like three hours. And if it's not there, people get mad, like, oh, you told me it was going to be here in two hours. And then I think to myself, well, do I really need my new remote control in two hours or can I wait two days? Just take a deep breath and just leave another two days without your remote control. You know what I mean? So it's probably the two of them. It Bureaucracy is crazy. And I don't understand it. I think nobody in Italy understands it. We just keep doing what we've been doing for centuries and adding new lows and new crazy stuff to the old ones. And yeah, it's tiring and it's confusing even for us. Mm. And there's also the, yeah, there's no hurry. Come on. Con calma, con calma, piano, piano. (laughs) This is a great segment for reminding people to have the correct expectations. If your expectations are realistic, then it's going to be easier for you to deal with the longer waits, right? Yeah. Realistic for Italy. Don't forget that because, I mean, it could be realistic for the States or any other country, a lot of countries in the world, but not for Italy. So always ask people, quanto ci vuole? How long does it take? Quanto ci vuole? And get their honest answer and then add, depending on the answer, another day or another month. You know, if they tell you six months, it's probably going to be seven or eight. If they tell you two days, it's going to be four. So that's how it works. Quanto ci vuole plus two. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And you and I actually both, we know someone specifically who is from the United States and him and his partner, they are in the process of, well, they've purchased a piece of property in Italy and they've been trying to renovate it right over the last several months. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about who that is? I don't know exactly what happened there and why it it's taking so long, but I know they're really, really frustrated right now. And I can totally understand that. And it's not only them. So you think we can say hi to them? I think that Roger and Danny, <laughs> I'll, I'll say their names so that you don't get in trouble for it. I don't think they're going to mind if we shout out to them and let them know that we're Great. talking about them. So hi, Roger. Hi, Danny. Ciao, ciao. So you're not the only ones. So don't feel frustrated or like in the, oh, why me idea? Because it's everyone, especially with restoration works here in Italy. And especially once again, after this pandemic that really changed the world, we 
we could do a whole segment on that, but after the pandemic, the Italian government decided to give bonuses, so money to people to restore their houses and properties to, you know, increase work in Italy and workflow and, you know, the economy, improve the economy. So basically everyone's starting restoring their houses and so on. So all the workers are really, really busy. So even before that, it took longer than you might think or you would have thought. And right now it's crazy because they don't have enough people, workforce to do all the restoration works in progress right now in Italy. So that is also a problem. And it's happening to a lot of people. And when you're a foreigner, especially it could take even a little bit longer because you don't know who you should call. Is it normal? Am I doing the right thing? You think maybe it's your fault, even if it's not. So, but even Italians are struggling with that right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just your expectation. Remember, ask quanto ci vuole plus two. Don't forget that we always. So you're talking about the super eco bonus, right? The yes, 100- I am. The 110%. We've talked about that a little bit on the podcast. So it's overwhelming, basically, construction workers in Italy, and it's making it harder. So it's something that people, it's probably going to be something that's going to be persistent for the next at least year, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. I think so, because they started already and some um, bonuses were already approved, but the work are not started yet. But then they're having trouble finding the money. It's really, really difficult to say, but I would say at least another year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before the before the construction market sort of calm, down, calms down and goes back to normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of like in the United States, everybody got um, well, well, not everybody, but a lot of people got stimulus checks to sort of reinvigorate the economy and get people spending money again. Whereas in Italy, which I think is kind of uh, more of a wise way to handle it, they incentivized people to basically renovate their properties. So all around Italy, you have people spending money to to update their properties, but also you're you're getting a whole sector working, a whole sector of the economy working, the, the construction sector, the everybody that's supplying everything from concrete to lumber and all the housing materials and supplies, you're getting people spending money on those things because you, the government is offering you a bonus. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's a good thing, of course, but I also see some flaws in the plan because, for example... You can only do that if it's your house, of course, or your landlord agrees on that and asks, applies for the bonus. And it's very difficult to have that done in a condominium. So in a building with many flats and apartments, because all the people should agree. So basically only people with a single house, a villa are doing that. And those are already richer, usually richer than the ones living in flats. And so people who have some money already, okay? Maybe mm-hmm. not enough to restore their houses, okay? And they're doing that. Also, you need to spend at least a certain amount of money. You can't just say, okay, I'm uh, putting uh, isolation on the roof. You have to do a lot of works to make mm-hmm. the house also um, um, better at saving energy, 
So insulation and new windows and new boiler system and so on. So it's a lot of things. So a lot of money and you're not giving back all of it. So you need to have some money to invest on it, but that's still pretty good. But so many people ask for that and we don't have enough workers doing that. So probably what's going on is that now construction companies are hiring new people, I think, because otherwise it would be impossible for them to uh, comply with all the works. And what's going to happen in two years? Are we going to have like hundreds of unemployed people? I don't know. Probably I always see the worst in everything, <laughs> but it didn't help all of the Italians and especially not those who started with lower income at first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Still, it's a good thing because now you have, you know, a lot of houses that have been restored, but there's some pros and cons like in everything. Mm -hmm. And I talk too much. Sorry. Not at all. No, that's great. It's great information. It's, I think it's good. Uh, this whole segment is great because it's like we said, if you're coming to Italy you should always be prepared for wait times. Most people that are moving to Italy are planning to move here to purchase property. Mm -hmm. Most people that are, if you're coming here to, I've never spoken to anybody that is planning to move to Italy and wants to just rent an apartment. Everybody that I've spoken to wants to come here and buy something. Most people know to try to avoid the one euro homes because that's kind of, you know, a way to, to get people to come into a town that's kind of a dying town and renovate their properties and, you know, incentivize them for that. But it's good for people to know that in a country like Italy, where things already move a little bit slower, things might be moving even extra slow right now, especially when it comes to real estate. Now, it doesn't mean that people shouldn't do it because if you are coming, again, if you're coming from the United States or really anywhere right now, because the fact that the Euro has dropped down to below the dollar. It's now 98 at this exact moment, the conversion rate from the dollar to the euro, it's 98 cents, centesimi. No well, cents is centesimi, yeah, but I have no idea how the change rate is right now. 98 centesimi per un dollaro. It would take one euro and two cents to make one dollar. Okay, but that's not good for you, is it? It's good for you if you're bringing dollars to Italy because dollars are now worth more than euros. So your dollar buys more in Italy than it did before because the dollar is now worth more than the euro for the first time in 20 years. For every cent, for every centesimi that the euro goes down against the dollar, you're getting that much of a percentage of a discount. So right now you're getting a 2% discount. Yeah, no, you're right. Because I was looking here, one euro, 0.98 US dollars, but that makes sense. Yeah, it's not that, it, yeah, yeah. It's well, Vera, thank you again so much for coming back and joining us for another segment of La Vera Italia. Thank you. Un piacere come sempre. A pleasure as always. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao, ciao. I hope you enjoyed that segment with Vera. Her perspective as a real Italian on Italy, but also her perspective as a very international type person is interesting too, because her view on Italy is both from 
the perspective of an insider, but also she's lived outside the country and she's studied multiple languages outside the country. So Vera is such a an interesting her, her her perspective is always so interesting to me because she has this sort of amazing chameleon ability to be able to talk and think about Italy from both inside and outside the country. And she's able to do it in such a sort of a way that is so, so unique and also sort of objective. So I just love hearing her thoughts. Anyway, well, that brings us to our surrounding sounds for this week's episode. And I'm going to be sharing some sounds from the Amalfi Coast in this segment. The Amalfi Coast is, of course, a favorite area for many of us. And Alessandro and I spent quite a bit of time down there this past summer. And so I have a little collection of some sounds from the Amalfi Coast. I experienced something that was so really wonderful, and that was being in the Mediterranean Sea as a storm moved in and as all the Italians were jumping out of the water, probably wisely because there was also some thunder and lightning. I always like to avoid being in sun for very long, but because the clouds had moved in and the the beach had gotten kind of empty, it was really great. And my phone happens to be waterproof. So I took my phone with me and I was out there in the water as the rain started coming down. So there's the sound of me in the Mediterranean Sea on the Amalfi Coast, looking up at Rovello, Maori, and some of the surrounding areas of that part of the Amalfi Coast. And you can hear some Italian children playing in the background, jumping and playing and having a wonderful time before the storm started. But then you can hear a very quiet sound It was just so special. I was completely by myself in the water. There was no one else out there. There was lightning and clouds and thunder and rain falling on me in the water. And I was standing far enough out that I was still able to, you know, I could have, I could have been swimming, but I could also still touch the bottom, but it was really, really special. So I'm going to be sharing the sounds of the rain falling on the Mediterranean Sea, a sound that I don't know that you probably have ever heard before. If you have, let me know, because that's amazing. You'll be able to relate to how great it was. But anyway, just enjoy this sound. I hope you're able to picture what it was like. Fortunately, I was filming, so this is sound that was extracted from a video. So if you are following on Instagram, you'll be able to see exactly what I was seeing because I wasn't taking a video of myself. As you know, I rarely take selfies or videos of myself. I want to share what I was looking at. So that's more interesting, I think, than to see what what I looked like in the water, like a drowned rat. But you'll you'll be able to see how gorgeous it was and how special it was, what I was able to look at and what I could see from where I was in the water. So... Enjoy those sounds, and I will be back afterwards to say goodbye.
hope you enjoyed those sounds from this week's episode and from my time bobbing around out in the Mediterranean Sea on the Amalfi Coast during a rainstorm. What a memorable experience that was. I will never forget that. Thank you for coming back and joining me for another episode. I love being here with you each week. It is almost a form of therapy for me. And so thank you for allowing me to share this time with you each week. I truly look forward to it and I appreciate it. And I never, ever take it for granted. Someday when I'm no longer doing this podcast, I don't know what I'm going to do without it because it's become such a special part of my week. And so I look forward to being back here with you each week. Thank you for our sponsors, Babbel Language. Make sure you check out Babbel Language at imovingtoitaly.com as well as ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is only about $9 a month for the whole year, and you are able to use it to make calls and be protected while you're traveling abroad while using your streaming services. So be sure to check them out. You also get three months for free on ExpressVPN when you sign up for their program using our links on the website. I'm moving to Italy.com. Thank you to Vera again for sharing another wonderful segment of La Vera Italia with us. And I look forward to being back here with you next week. Vera and I have some absolutely fantastic segments planned for the rest of the season. And again, some really, really wonderful interviews coming up that you're not going to want to miss. So stay tuned and check those out as well. I mentioned earlier that I've sort of changed my idea about where I think I might end up or where we might end up in our permanent forever place, what part of Italy we might end up after spending time kind of checking out multiple different regions of Italy over the past couple of years. I think I might have figured out where we're going to end up, and I wasn't able to get into it too much in today's episode. In fact, I wasn't able to mention it at all. But you can be sure that... I'm going to be sharing that with you as soon as possible. I just want to kind of plant that little seed in the back of your mind that there's something, some new shifts and changes coming in our plans. And when I'm finished with my upcoming period of traveling back and forth to the United States, I'm going to be visiting some of those areas and I will be reporting directly to you from these new areas, which I can't tell you much about yet, but I'm getting so excited and it's beginning to feel like, ooh, this really, really might be it. So anyway, stay tuned. Well, my friend, wherever you are listening to the sound of my voice today, I hope you are healthy and well, and I look forward to being back here with you next week for another episode. So until then, take care. God bless. Ciao, ciao, ciao.